This reminds me of my first grade teacher. We had a little run-in one time. She, um, she thought I had written on the desk instead of on the paper. The evidence looked pretty convincing to her. Maybe some of you have had some incidents like that as well. Did you know school's starting here? Some of you started last Wednesday <clears throat> going. Maybe your experience is more like this, more relaxed, going better with their teachers in any fashion to go. But in any case, uh, school is getting to run. I noticed that uh, <clears throat> this last week on Wednesday morning that outside my house is the bus place where they pick up all the kids in our end of the neighborhood. And so they were out there and waiting and waiting. And when the bus came, it's the same bus that they've been using all year last year because it has the same brake problem as it pulls. I mean, you hear that, as it comes to a stop. I knew it was the exact same bus. I didn't even have to go look out there as all the kids climb on and away they go to bus and on their way to journey. Would you please open your Bibles to James chapter 3 if you have them. There may be some in front of you. Page 848 of the little hardback ones. If you're looking there, I'd like you to look at James chapter 3 uh, because, well, look. And it says, in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. What? What? I'm mean, like, what? How in the world could that be? When, I, I'm just going when we need more teachers and we need more people to do that, James says very clearly to us, not to be more teachers. You might find in the King James Version the word master there. Do you have that? In the word master there. The, uh, the point being about the word master in there is teacher. It's the same root word. It goes back to teaching. So these teachers, he says, not many of you, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Well, as a teacher, I could take offense, I suppose. And they not to do that. We have two teachers. Did you know about this text in the Bible there? Did you hope? Did you know about that? You're nodding your head, yes. You obviously ignored it. Didn't go on with that. Um, Jewish rabbis were extremely well respected in James's time, in the time of Christ. They were extremely well respected. And if you had an opportunity to be personally a disciple of a rabbi, that was you had reached the high level of education. And the more prominent the rabbi, the more valued the education would become. But he goes on to see that we, we all basically, whether we are teachers or not, we do teach by example, don't we? By the example that we give to those who follow. I remember as I was growing up, my mother would say to me, now be a good example to your younger cousins as you going around. Be a good example to them. I'll never forget, I was giving my son Scott a haircut. I had learned to cut dorm, dorm kind of college haircuts. So I was doing that and, and giving the guys cuts. And so when Scott must have been about four or five, years of age. And so I was kind of teasing. It was time for his haircut, and I was putting around the picture all around him and getting it all set to go. And so I said, okay, Scott, what kind of haircut do you want today? What do you like? And he said, well, Dad, I want one like yours. And I, and it means, you know, for those of us who are fathers, who have, have boys, to have, have the boys say to us, I want to be like Dad. And I was kind of, well, that, that's really, 
that's really nice of you. And I said, well, well, what do you mean you want it cut like dad? And said, I want it to be back like this. <laughs> oh, receding is what you want. <laughs> and I said, your time will come. And it sure has. It has come to Scott. He is, he is receding. And I understand that I'm getting thin in the back. Personally, I can't see it. So um, it does not exist. James, in his verse, he said, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know we who teach will be judged more strictly. We will be held to a higher standard. We say in preaching, you gotta, you got to practice what you preach. That's tough to do, you know, when you preach the scriptures, to say, well, I'm, I'm going to practice what I preach. But you're kind of expecting that, that I'm going to kind of live a life of the one I'm trying to advocate, aren't you? No, come on, be fair. It says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And my response to that is like this man, well, good luck with that. If you have had just a perfect and never had a problem of speech with that, I'd like to meet you afterward. Because I certainly haven't had that. My life, maybe in yours, to be really honest, don't you wish there were times you could just reach out and grab the words you just spoke and pull them back in? And you're like, why in the world did I say such a stupid thing? Stupid or hurtful? Or ignorant. My mother said, why don't you keep your mouth shut? If you keep your mouth shut, people may think you are dumb, but if you open your mouth, you remove all doubt in their mind. So just zip, zip. Better to say less, which you may think about this sermon today. Do as I say, not as I do. Right? Yeah, I wanted to do that, but don't copy me. Because I don't do that. Verse 3, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal around with the bit in their mouth. If you're associated with PETA, please don't contact me about bits in horses' mouths. But this is James writing, saying you, you can turn the whole horse by just the bit in its mouth. Or, he says, he uses the example, take the ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, and he was talking about these big, huge sailing ships that maybe you have had a chance to be on, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Wherever he wants it to go. He can just use that rudder, just turn it, and the whole huge ship turns because that. Verse 5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider the great forest that set ablaze with a single spark. And I've been praying for those out in California and the fires that they are still enduring as they're going on and on and on. If you have not been in that type of an experience where you've had your home threatened by flames like that, I've lived in California, I know what that's like. When up, you have to be very careful with these fires that come and they get going and the wind carries them and boy, they just are incredibly destructive. It's all started by a single spark. 
See, just a single spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell or in the destruction. All kinds of animals, reptiles and sea creatures, are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we can praise the Lord and Father, and with it, we can curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. And we can sit here and praise people and then immediately go out and condemn someone else. Go out and rip them to pieces and be angry with them. The words coming out of our mouths that go, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. He says, my brothers and sisters... I thought this was interesting. He just didn't say brothers. He said, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Amen. Can fresh water and salt water flow out of the same spring? Of course not. My brothers and sisters, can the fig tree bear olives or the grapevine bear figs? Neither can the salt spring produce fresh water. And as I'm reading that today and I'm going through this this week, and looking at that, I had to say, ouch, that hurt. James, boy, was he direct. <laughs> because he knows. He knows our words. It's so easy to let something fly. So easy. A little bit of a tough, we get a little bit of thing. Just yeah. set those words off that hurt, that destroy. You know the saying, talk is cheap. Or he's just a talker. He's just a great talker. It goes on. Or words, 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 nothing but words, nothing but words. But words can be incredibly powerful, can't they? Words. Words can be. You remember we used to say I was growing up, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Really? Is that true? I mean, you, you heal from sticks and stones, don't you? You get something that somebody throws at you, heal from that. But sometimes the wounds from words you carry for life. Parents have to be careful what they may say in jest to their children. That the child does not realize this is in humor. Mean nothing by it. Like my mother, he would say. Bill, you live upstairs over a vacant lot. Now you think about that. And you laugh. Think, oh, that's kind of fun. But as a child, I thought, there's something wrong with me. If I'm living upstairs, well, if it's vacant, what, what's she saying? Is there something? Am I stupid? My sisters reinforced that I was indeed stupid. With their words, you're a stupid brother. We also know that the pen is mightier than the sword, is it not? Is it not? Speech. 
Speech is an unusual thing. It is a way that separates us from the animals. Although I'm having an argument with my cat uh, at the present time, and I'm losing, but speech is what separates us, separates us from animals. Because we communicate with speech. Thought is impossible without words. Thought is impossible without words, without some type of a context to which it makes it go. And once you have the thought, action is always preceded by thought. So the words, the thought, and then the action as it proceeds through. No undertaking which involves others is ever brought, uh, begun without an exchange of words. So we're getting ready to do this project, and we're getting ready set to go out here and to add on to our structure to help our community. It did not begin without an exchange of words. We saw a need. We started talking about it. We saw the community. We went and talked together. We met together. We said, yes, we we need to do that. Our community needs to have this protection from the storm. It needs to have a center right here. We're in the perfect location. We need to do this. We need to help our community. So we talked about it. We went and communicated with the architect. Words. She took those words and turned them into a drawing. That's what happens. See, that undertaking always with others, that going with others always involves the usage and the exchange of words. So diversity of languages has made an incredible problem because then we cannot communicate with them back and forth. When I was in Europe, I was in Italy, we wanted to get something to eat. And I was traveling in Rome, and I was walking around Rome, and I said, I don't want to. So I went up to this policeman, and I said, could you help me find a bakery? I'd like to find a bakery. You know what I'm talking about. He doesn't understand. So I took a picture, and I drew a piece of bread down there. And he said, oh, yeah, he shook his head and sent me go around and told me in Italian to go down there and go around there and you'll find blah, blah, blah. I had no idea and I never found it. <laughs> Tower of Babel. In order to separate them, the Lord knew what to do. He just changed their language and say, separate them. And away they went. He says, the tongue is a fire. Fire. I just looked, and if you've been following the news, that Antifa has been out protesting and going around. Have you seen that? Watch that. Have you realized that what is happening is that they are following the action that's coming after the words? And I'm not here to plead their cause one way or the other, but they are responding to the words. That were spoken, whether in anger or in grief or justice or whatever it is, they are responding and going in that way. You see, hot hot words start quarrels. They destroy friendships, break up homes, instigate wars. But on the other hand, words of comfort can rescue a soul from despair. Bold words can strike powerful blows of justice. Inspired words can start feet marching toward the goal of human brotherhood. And when I read that, I thought of Martin Luther King Jr. I was in college, and ended up with Martin Luther King in high school and college, um, and saw this man without violence, using words and reason 
change a nation. And how he did that, how he saw the vision to not go to violence, not to strike out, but to use words of reason and of logic and of power and of rightness and truth. Words are incredibly powerful. If a man's religion gives him no control over his tongue so that his words will edify and not corrupt, then his religion is useless for it has failed at the most crucial moment. Failed at the most crucial moment. For the mouth, Jesus said, speaks of what is full, what the heart is full of. And that's true. As a man speaks, as he shares what he talks about, important, he reveals what's going on in his head because the words share the thought coming out. James said we stumble in many ways. Perhaps the most common way we stumble is in the words that we use and what we say. Gossip be sharing of gossip, talking about taking things of rumors and passing them on. I'm guilty of that as happening. We were at camp meeting, and all of us interns were all there. Intern is there. We haven't been officially ordained into the gospel ministry, but we are pastoring. We're presenting church. They're testing us out, seeing if we're going to make it or not. They're trying us out as interns. So, I was interning, and I was some of my friends that I'd gone to college with, and of course we all chat, 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 chat. And we heard through the grapevine, which was of course very reliable, that um, that the conference, who had a limited supply of campsites for people to stay at camp meeting, they had a huge camp meeting, so if 18, 20,000 people would come and they had in Central Cal. And so they, they had a limited place. They had 800 and some tents, I know, 842. I remember putting them up but and taking them down. But they had limited campsites, and people would come from all over for these camp meetings. And I had heard, and we had heard, we had heard that those who had given money, trust money to the conference, got to have a campsite. While the others who were, and even though they were not members of the conference, they got a campsite. But where the others who had applied, because they were in demand, even if they were a member of the conference, in the, in the conference, they, they couldn't get a campsite. And our righteous in, injustice trigger went off and said, that's not fair, that's not right. So all through camp meeting, what's going on, we're grumbling. Well, did you hear that? I wonder how many are here. I wonder how many are here who shouldn't be here, who have forced our dear believers so they could not be here to enjoy this wonderful camp meeting with us. And I'm going on and on. So, camp meeting was breaking apart and all the workers were together for a breakfast and the conference president was up. He had a smile on his face, totally, totally ignorant of our discussion. When one of us, as he was asking any questions before we go to work to tear down the camp, raised our hand. And we said, what's the deal with this? What's happening to this? And he says, well, I don't know anything about that. Let's, let's talk to the trust services guy. Let's, let's have him come and go up and talk. And, and I said, well, 
uh, he got up and he heard what our promise was. Oh, well, this is how this works. This works that, yes, if they have put money with the conference, they can then be put into the pool of all the campsites and we draw them out of the hat. And if they happen to be one of the ones that draw out of the hat, then they get a campsite. Well, how many is that? Well, this year it was one. Usually it's zero. Oh. Don't you just hate the facts when they straighten out all your anger and you kind of... I was all upset and angry and for no cause. For no cause. But I sure done a lot of talking. We all stumble in many ways, James says. All of us do. Beth Day in the 1800s, 1855, wrote this little kind of poem. I thought it was befitting for us. Before you speak, three gates of gold. These narrow gates, first, is it true? Then, is it needful? In your mind, give truthful answer. And the next is last and narrowest. Is it kind? And if, and if to reach your lips at last, it passes through these gateways three, then you may tell the tale, nor fear, what the result of speech may be. Those three gates. Is it true? Is it needful? Is it kind? I violated all of those. I didn't bother to find out if the rumor was true about the campsites. It really wasn't needful for me to spread that all around and and so discontent without the facts. And it wasn't kind to our leadership. Guilty. Fortunately, I had a lot of company in doing that. Still guilty. And I would say to James, James, my brother, this is not easy to do. It is not easy to do. Is it? I can ask you. Is it? It is not, is it? So what to do? What to do? I think the gates, those three gates, are good. But there has to be more than just checking on it. I would like to suggest to you that there is a solution. It is a journey. And Jesus invites us to come and he will teach us. You draw closer to Christ. Closer to Christ. He will take care of your words. Draw closer to him, learn of him, and he will help you develop kindness. Dear Lord, I thank you that Jesus invites us to come, to learn, to seek. I thank you, Father, for this great message out of James. It is inspiring, and yet it is condemning. For 
We all stumble in our words. They flow so easily. And they are like a spark set into a forest fire. May our words be a blessing to others. Help us in that regard. And Lord, be the guardian of our hearts, of our thoughts, and of our ways. In Jesus' name, amen.